Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast. Our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I am Chad Simpson. I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Good. What's up, Jim? What's up, Chad? How you doing? Good, good, good. Um, I'm super excited for this one. So the history of, of this relationship with Greg Smith, our, our guest today, is I got a random text message from him saying, hey, I'm the volleyball coach at Cedarville. Do you want to play tennis? And it was right when I first got here and my schedule was a little little bit more open. So I said, oh, sure, let's let's play thinking, you know, I wonder if he can keep the ball in play, you know, and he's he's a stud. He's a, he played college tennis. Uh, we've been able to to hit often and bond and just grow in that that brotherhood, that that relationship since then. But um, after I got to know him, um, I really wanted to bring him on the podcast. But the very first time that I met him uh, it was at the tennis facility at Cedarville. And he's picking up trash as he's walking through the facility. And that just hit me like, what's it mean to be a Christian coach? You pick up trash in someone else's facility, you know? Um, but just mad, mad respect for Greg, man of God. Um, just go through his bio. He uh, has 20 plus years of experience at the NCAA Division One level. And now he's landed at, at Cedarville and doing great things with that program. But um, Virginia Tech, Ohio State, he's Notre Dame. He's got a, a big resume and uh, he's, a, he's a humble guy, but uh, just really impressed with Greg. But what do you, you have anything to highlight? Great conversation, Chad, with Greg. We appreciate Coach Smith taking the time to share. And like you said, big resume and no doubt God uh, taught him incredible lessons as he shares some insight and how God just planted him now at Cedarville at a different role, different university. But you can tell throughout the conversation, just just a heart to serve, uh, not afraid to do the little things, the so-called dirty jobs, as you even mentioned an example. But I'd encourage you listener and coaches to tune in when he talks about just practical ways within his program to shine the light of Christ and how they're different in their program with the girls writing letters, sharing about praying with the other team and then man tune in on this concept about the honor calls and uh i just loved hearing some of his strategy and insight so appreciate coach smith taking the time to be with us yeah and and, uh he just even at the start you can hear uh about just some of his health challenges as well um tune into that but uh, we don't want to waste any more of your time coach but we're ready to get into this one right now all right, here we go. We got Greg Smith on the Christian Coach Podcast. Uh, so glad that you took your time to share with us. Um, and we just like to get right into it here. So, Greg, what, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Um, what it means is just, one, having the, the idea of the identity is not being a coach. The identity is, is who we are in Christ and sharing that with our, you know, my players. Um be an example of who Christ is, and not just to our players, but to all those who see our program, see us, whether we're practicing or we're in a match, but they get a chance to see who I am because of who Christ is in, in me. And, and just sharing you know, my testimony, uh, being able to disciple my, my athletes, and to walk with them on a daily basis, you know, with whatever they're going through, but doing it in a, in a godly way um, versus a secular way. Um, but at the same time, not 
uh, taking away what God's put inside of me, which is that competitive spirit, um, that that desire to to take the talents that He's given and take it to a, a whole different level, and doing that with you know the players that we have. I mean, that's, if that's a talent that God's given me, then I I owe that to God to bring that out of also the other players, but in a godly way with integrity, uh, with the you know the love of my heart to take care of them and not treat them as um, not as a number or a means to wins and losses, but to treat them as God's children and to love on them, but yet push them, you know, above and beyond what they thought that they could, because it just builds character in, into them. And it builds um, not just character, but also strengthens their, their faith in different ways in what we do um, and how we do it. And I just think those are just different ways. And what does it mean to, to be a Christian coach? Um, it isn't just somebody who says, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I think we have to live it out in how we coach the example that we set for our, our players, but also for the people who observe our program at the same time. Boom, man. Uh, so good. I just took like 20 notes, uh, there just in the first <laughs> reply. So, uh, dropping, dropping dimes. I like it. Um, from, from there, man, I love that you shared about uh, the talents, the competitive spirit that God has put in into you, and um, and yeah, I I resonate with that. But I, I just want to go back. Uh, you grew up in Indiana, I believe, and ended up playing tennis in California. Can you just tell us a little bit about your your upbringing and how you ended up playing tennis there there in California? Yeah, well, I grew, grew up in the Hoosier State, which is a huge basketball uh, state. My dad was a high school coach and basketball coach, varsity basketball coach there. Um, he'd been a – that was just our life, basically, was basketball. Outside of our Christian faith and, and our Christian family, basketball was like the second thing. Um, so I grew up playing basketball. I started playing tennis when I was um, in freshman – or actually eighth grade year. And – so through my dad's connections, uh, he knew was a really good friend of uh, Chet Kammer, who was the head basketball coach at Grace College at the time. And Chet had left to go to Westmont College out in Santa Barbara. And so even during that time period, you know, we'd go out and travel out there to, to do basketball camps and we'd visit them, do family vacations. And so Chet and his family became my second family. And so when I had to make a decision about what I wanted to do, I felt like, okay, I'm too small to play basketball. So my other passion, you know, sport wise was tennis. And I thought, well, I'd really like to play tennis someplace. So I looked into schools, you know, small schools locally. I thought about that, thought about just not even playing sports and going to either IU or Purdue uh, just to receive my education. But then you know, God was just putting in my heart. It's like, once you check out Westmont, you know, you like it out there. Once you see if you can play tennis. And so I, I just dove into it further. And sure enough, I was able to play out there. Um, had a great time. Enjoyed, you know, four and a half, five years that I was there uh, living in paradise. But it was it was a great experience. And I, that's how I got there was because of, you know, our friend Chet, who, moved out there to be the head basketball coach and athletic director at, at Westmont. That's, that was our connection for me to get out there. Mm, yeah. That's awesome. Some the relationships and, uh, and yeah, just, uh, I've gotten to learn about your story. Um, you know, when I first got the message, Hey, a volleyball coach wants to, wants to play tennis with, 
with you here up in Dayton area. I was all right, we'll see. We'll see. And man, Greg, Greg's got game. Uh, you, you push me and, and give me a great workout whenever we get together. But uh, as we've been getting to know each other this semester, um, you know, I heard about a, a cancer uh, diagnosis there when you were 21. Um, can you just share a little bit about the the health uh, battle that, that you had? Yeah. Uh, so it was just right after my sophomore year, my second year playing collegiate tennis. And I was having some issues with, with breathing and coughing and, and also, you know, swallowing. You felt like, or I felt like I always had a, a big vitamin or pill stuck in my throat every time I swallowed. And I thought, well, you know, something's going on. I thought maybe I'm the breathing issues was related to the smog issues because we get smog up from LA and, you know, from the winds and everything. And so I thought, well, maybe that's the issue and it just hasn't gone away. So I came home for the summer break. Um, this was May, still having issues. So I finally, you know, go into my doctor, my family doctor, physician, and um, he said, you know, it just sounds like you're having some bronchial issues. Let's take an x-ray just to make sure. Take an x-ray that that morning and that afternoon he calls up and says, hey, we need you to come in, bring your parents. And when I didn't think much of it other than, okay, this is a little bit more serious than what I thought, but I never thought that it was going to be diagnosed as cancer. And so he, he said, hey, this is what we found. Uh, there's a tumor inside your chest, in your lung cavity area. And it's pressing up against your esophagus and trachea. That's the reason why you're having issues. We need to start doing biopsies. And so they started doing biopsies. Uh, first biopsy didn't work. Didn't really come to anything conclusive. Uh, then I went up to South Bend to uh, more of a major, re, you know, major uh, hospital. Has have a really good uh, oncology department up there. And they did. I was in there for a week. They did all sorts of tests on me. And finally, they came back and said, "Hey." This is what we found. You are stage four uh, lymphoma, but lymphoma non-Hodgkin's cancer. That's what I had. And so that was the week of my 21st birthday. So that was happy birthday to, <laughs> you know, in that in that regard. But that was just the start of it. Um, yeah, that's, that's where I had to end up dropping out of tennis going forward uh, from college. Because by the time I got back from doing the chemo and the radiation, um, I was, my body was spent. And so unfortunately I had to, you know, bow out of, of tennis that following year. And, um, and, but yeah, at the same time, it was a situation where, you know, I knew God was going to take care of me when I first was, you know, told the diagnosis, I felt a complete peace. I felt the Holy spirit upon me and just saying, you know, it's going to be fine. God's got this. And that's how I felt the whole time. It's just at peace, you know, not being able to go back to school that that fall semester, um, it just put a different perspective of what's important. Uh, school was important, tennis was important, but getting healthy, but also my walk and my faith grew so much because of that experience. Um, you know, it, people have always asked me about it. It's like, why? You know, what do you feel about that? It's like it's one of the worst experiences, but one of the best experiences I've ever had. Worst experience? You never want that to go. You know, to happen to you or to have to have your parents go through that with you or my family. And that was the hardest part because they, there's nothing that they could do. 
I mean, it was something that was internal. They had to let the chemo, let the radiation take care of it. But the fact that they were supporting me, but yet it drained them as well. The good part about it was just, like I said, it really solidified in, in you know, my relationship with God. Um, I drew definitely closer to him and just my faith, you know, grew stronger because of that. And when life was really easy up until that point and when, you know, everything, nothing ever happened to me. And so it's like, Oh, this is easy, you know, but you know, as I looked at some of my friends that I met in college, it's like they had gone through life experiences at such a young age that transformed them into who they were as Christians. And I always thought, you know, that's interesting. It's like they had these experiences, but I've never had an experience. Now, I don't know if that was a, a wish. I don't know if that was necessarily a wish of mine, but it was like it was interesting that they had these stories. And then, then I get cancer after my sophomore year. And it's like, there's my story. And and so this is the story that God wants me to to tell and have and and to share with other people. So, like I said, it was the best of experiences, but worse of of an experience I wouldn't want to have on wish upon anybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for being willing to share that with us. A, a piece of me wants to say, like, I'm sorry that you had to go through it. And then the other piece is like, thank, thank God that, that he pulled you through and, and that uh, you were able to grow in your faith um, from there. But um, just from your, your, as your story continues, you're, you're there uh, in your early twenties uh, what did you do? What did you do next? What where did you go after you couldn't go back and, and keep playing college tennis? Um, well, like I said, I stayed home. Um, my dad had started uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes Huddle back in 73. And so FCA was always a part of our life. And I thought, well, this is an opportunity to, you know, get connected with the, you know, the huddle. Uh, after experiencing as a high school student, you know, junior high student, um, I wanted to give back. So I got more involved with helping out my dad with the huddle start, you know, did a Bible study with some of the high school students there. And so that was, and then I worked, you know, so it was kind of the, that semester off. And then finally I went back in the spring semester, tried to get back down the court, wasn't able to do it. And I thought, okay. I can't physically do it right now. I'm just not able to, my body's not ready for this. And so I talked to, you know, as, as I mentioned before, our friend Chad camera, a coach camera uh, about helping out with the basketball team because I was still basketball was still in my blood. You know, I still loved doing the X's nose and drawing up plays and all that fun stuff. And so he said, yeah, anytime you can have a, an extra, you know, hand on the, on the, in the practice gym and doing film and stuff like that. And that's what I really thought I, this would be great, you know, for me to kill time with still involved with athletics, but still using a, you know, something that has been a huge part of my life because of, you know, where I grew up or, or the household I grew up in. Um, I thought that was a good way in which to use, you know, my passion for sports in that, that form. And so that's what I did for the next two years. I went to school, but also was the student assistant for the men's basketball team. And, still finishing up my business degree and because I always felt like that was the direction that I wanted to go was, um, you know, I wanted to be a stockbroker and I always, my, my dream was like by 26, I was going to have my Porsche. I was going to be married and life was, you know, going to be good. You know, this is where I was going to go, but God had different plans for me. Um, as, as the Bible says, it's like my ways are not necessarily his ways. And so, 
And that was a true testament to that. It's like, I went into the business world for a little bit, but it wasn't in being a stockbroker. It was being in a retail management because I wanted you know, to work for a sporting goods company like a Nike or Converse or something like that and be a rep for them. After a few years, um, I just really felt a calling like this is not where I need to be. This isn't, I'm not enjoying this. And I know God's pulling me in a different direction. And my dad said, why don't you go back to school and get your secondary education degree to teach business at the high school level, but then also become a basketball coach. And so I did that. I'd work in the fall semesters, take those off work, um, end up coaching volleyball out of the blue. Uh, the high school coach said they needed a freshman coach. And I said, you know, I told Katie, I said, I don't know anything about coaching. I've played in the sand. I took a class in college. That's all I know. And she goes, don't worry about it. I'll teach you how to coach the game. And she was a great mentor and a great teacher of, uh, you know, just bringing me along. And so for the two fall semesters, I did that. I coached volleyball in the fall, worked, coached a little bit of basketball, then we go back to school in the spring. Well, eventually I ended up um, coaching club volleyball, get involved with that. There was a position at the University of Indianapolis for an assistant coach. So I applied for that, got that out of the blue. I uh, wasn't expecting that. But everything with dealing with basketball, all the doors were closed. There just wasn't the right situation or the, the college coaches for you know trying to be a GA. They already had their people in line of who they wanted to bring in for their assistant coach. So – Every, all the doors just completely closed off for coaching basketball, trying to get, you know, help pay for college. But volleyball opened up and eventually I got done with my student teaching. And I, I said, there's just no way I want to be a teacher. I totally, I didn't even get my license. Uh, I got my degree for it and everything, but I never pursued my license in, in teaching. And so the doors were opened up for, you know, after University of Annapolis and I went to Hofstra uh, to be an assistant and just made connections through doing camps. And that was, that was my network is doing camps and uh, getting to know other coaches, the college coach. So I was doing, you know, camps at Butler, Purdue, did camps at Ohio state. Um, the guy who was the owner operator of, of circle city volleyball club in Indianapolis when I was there uh, coaching club, he knew everybody cause he was, um, a college coach himself previously before he became an owner of, of the club and everybody knew Tom and Tom was able to help me out as well, you know, getting those connections. So that's kind of the path that God took me on. And, and I, and I am so blessed to have gone through that path where I didn't see what he saw. You know, I thought I knew what I wanted and what I thought was best what I thought was best was not what God knew was best for me. Mm. And so that's where, you know, going away from the, the business world, going away from teaching and putting me in a situation where he knew that this is where you belong. This is where I want you. This is where you're going to have impact on people's lives. And so it, I always say God has a sense of humor for sure, because I would have never thought of being a female volleyball coach, you know, women's volleyball coach. Um, so it's, it's different, but it's, I wouldn't change it. It's been awesome. And, and, uh, as I've gotten to know you this semester, um, I've, I've picked up glimpses of, of where you've been on your journey and, um, 
And yeah, the last time we hit, I, I tried to give a, a piece of advice. And, uh, and then I felt guilty of it. When I started preparing for this, I looked at your resume. I was like, oh my goodness, it all just hit me that uh, look at what God has done um, and, and these places that you've been. But um, as I was looking at it, I kind of saw like five years about as an assistant, kind of growing in that career and 17 years as a, a what I would call a big time, you know, head head coach or, or coaching at Notre Dame as an assistant. Um, and now it's been about five years at Cedarville, a uh, really unique, special Christian college for you to uh, use your gifts and talents at. But um, w- as you look at those, maybe you may be breaking down differently, um, but what do you sl- see that you learned kind of in each part of your career there? Um, well, I've learned so much. Um, boy, it's like, why haven't I learned? Uh, because everything is, a lot of it's life, you know, life situations, but it's also learning how to get in the mindset of, of training female athletes versus being, you know, training male athletes. You know, I grew up, everything that we did was male. I mean, whether it's baseball, track, tennis, basketball, whatever I did, it was all on the male side of things. And that's all I knew. When I coached um, at, at Westmont, it was for a men's basketball team. So coming from one of the, one of the, a great coach and, and coach Cameron, um, is just learning how to go into the minds of, of a male athlete and how to coach a, a male athlete. What I learned is what's it like to, be a coach for a female athlete. It's, it is different, same in some aspects, but definitely different in other aspects. Um, I learned a lot more about myself. Um, and, and what, what I would say is, is what I learned early on, um, was just how to be, how to coach, you know, the X's and O's and learning, you know, as I look back on what I wish I would have learned earlier was that, learning how to know who I am as a coach, who I am as a person and be true to that versus trying to be somebody else. Um, one of my coaches when I was assistant was coach Jim Stone, who went to the final four at, at Ohio state, uh, many all Americans, uh, couple or actually had a, uh, one national player of the year under his toolage. And when I left Ohio state to become the head coach of Virginia tech, I said, well, you know, I thought, well, this is what Jim did. This is who Jim was. So therefore it must be the right thing to do. And so I emulated him versus just taking bits and pieces of what I learned of how to do some things, but yet keeping true to who I am as a person, as a Christian and knowing who I am as a, um, on the inside. And this is how I, I, you know, communicate with people. This is how I do things that I'm different. Everybody's different. And so how we we go about our coaching is going to be different. It can't be the same. It can't be a clone of somebody else. There's some things that you can emulate in certain ways, but as a person, you can't, like, I can't be Gemstone. I can't be Frank Califer, who is at Hofstra. I can't be Deb Brown, who is at Notre Dame. And but what I can do is, is take some things that made them successful but yet form it into who I am and my personality and how I would do things, but yet not losing that successful piece of it, but doing it in my own way. And so I would say at 25 or in my early on career, I would say that was one thing I wish I would have, would have changed was or done differently. Is just know who I am, be strong in that. 
aspect. Um, and then later on in coaching, I would say the wins and losses aren't who define me or what define me. And that's what I wish I would have learned early on, because I think that if I would have known that and held true to that and not to say that, you know, wins, winning and losing, you know, winning is fun. I mean, that's the competitive side of it, but it's not the end all. But I think because at the time I felt like that was my identity was the wins and losses, how I went about coaching was a reflection of that. And I wish I would have known that that's not the way you do it. Um, that, and it's, it's taken me, you know, all these years to get there, but eventually got, I got there, but even I'm still growing in that, just still learning what's that look like to not have this as your identity and just to let things go. And the, the wins and losses don't matter in the grand scheme of things. The rewards don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, what's important is how do we transform lives? And it took me until here to really grasp that. I mean, I was always trying to work on that and work on that and try to get better at that. But it hasn't been until I got here to Cedarville. It's like, I get it now. There's so much more to the bigger picture than just volleyball and the wins and losses. And I think it's hard because at the Division One level, you know, I see my you know friends of mine every year. They're being fired. And it's like, these are great people, but yet whether it's high level D1 or low D1 or division two, they're asked to be in, you know, to, to leave. And, and it's just like, that's where that mindset was when I was at division one was that we got to win. We got to win because I know I'm, I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about my family, job security, all those things became so much important instead of just relying upon, you know, God. And leaning into mm -hmm. him in those times of, of doubt is like, this is when I need to really lean in and just trust and know that whatever happens, happens. The wins and losses take care of yourself. But if I take care of his children and and disciple them and and help them grow in their in their their daily lives, whatever that looks like, that's the most important thing. The wins and losses will take care of himself. I don't need to worry about that, but it's more I need to take care of the responsibility that God gave me in those particular situation so i wish i would have done a better job and wish i would have known that earlier on mm, yeah you said knowing knowing who i am as a coach and then knowing uh the wins and losses don't define me uh two really good pieces of advice i think for for every coach listening um, um just from all of your experiences from virginia tech uh, ohio state notre dame um Toledo, and now you're here at Cedarville, able to try to build a team culture and transform lives, you know, through volleyball. Um, how, how has it been at, at Cedarville? And kind of can you speak into what are you trying to to build uh, as far as leading this team at, at Cedarville? Yeah. Um, one, I had to be transformed in in in, in, in ways because all my experiences were all at secular schools except for Notre Dame. Um, so just coming into a Christian environment that is strong as Cedarville is, it's definitely a change and just learning the culture of, of just not the volleyball program, but the learning the culture of Cedarville and just understanding and, and, and diving into it. Um, I mean, I never knew of Cedarville until I, you know, applied for the job when it opened up and, and then once you even, you know, accept the job and, 
and everything, you still don't know what the university is all about until you truly are invested into it. And so after the first year, I knew like, oh my gosh, I this is definitely a different experience. This is different than, than the experience I had at Westmont College, which was a Christian university. And um, so just embracing and diving into who we truly are and what we're here for. Um, being at Cedarville is, is, yeah, we want to be successful, but it's not, it is not the top priority. It's like fourth on the list. You know, the first priorities, you know, when we're here is that we want to grow as Christians, we want to grow in our faith. And as a, as a coach here is, is being, you know, in that discipleship with our players and helping their walk and growing in their faith and going through life experiences, taking volleyball and taking it to a higher level. We want to compete. We want to be one of the top teams in the country, but we want to do it in the right way. We want to, you know, our volleyball program is a ministry and that's how we view it. That's our culture. And, but we want to be an example of Christ in everything that we do, whether it's in the practice side of things and, we just, you know, one of the things that we are really emphasizing is that we don't waste any opportunities. We don't waste contact opportunities. Like when we're having contacts on the ball, um, that's, it, it, it's hard for them to, you know, to understand that, but they, after they go through four years, they go back and say, gosh, college went by so quickly. I know how many opportunities did you waste? And then how many opportunities did you waste because you thought, Oh, I got tomorrow. I think too many times we think about that in our life. It's like, oh, I got tomorrow. I got tomorrow to get into into my devotion or into the Bible, or I got tomorrow when I can, you know, pray. I'll make time for it later. And so those are kind of the 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 attributes that we're really trying to instill into our players' lives is that you can't take a contact off, you can't take a playoff, because this is an opportunity that God's given you. Goes into the match side of things. Um, you know, you can't take a playoff. You can't take anything off and take it for granted because this is an opportunity that God's given you and how hard we play and how hard we compete is a reflection of what God means to us and how valuable that is in our lives. Um, and hopefully that shows in how we play the game, but also we have what's called an, an honor call, uh, which in volleyball, you know, if you touch the net or, touch the ball and it goes out of bounds and but yet the referees miss those calls but they and they award the point to us and we know that we're in violation of it of the rules of the game we'll go up to the referee and call it on ourselves which in our volleyball world you always try to avoid you know if you touch the ball um, on the block everybody's calling no touch no touch you know trying to convince her you know, the referees and everybody that, you know, we didn't actually touch it. Instead, we're saying, yeah, we touched it. And, you know, we pray with the opponents after the match. And then our players will um, write a personal note to each. Uh, they'll pick out a player from the roster, from the opposing roster. And then they'll meet with that player right after the, the group prayer and just share about the gospel real quickly for like five minutes with the opposing player. And uh, they'll pray with them. And so through those things, that's our ministry, and that's what we're here for. And going back to the original kind of you know statement that I had, it's like it's not about the wins and losses. The wins and losses will, will come as they come. It's through the process. But what's important is what is what's going on right there and then, the opportunity in which to share the gospel with somebody 
to give them, you know, maybe they've never heard of the gospel. Maybe they've never even thought about, you know, God or, or Jesus Christ in their life, accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Here's an opportunity that we can't take for granted. And that's, you know, that's important to us. And there have been so many times where we've gotten emails from parents of players saying, hey, thank you so much for, for talking to my daughter. Coaches coming up to us after matches and saying, we appreciate your honesty and your integrity. And, and referees will come up and talk to us about, oh, I remember when I refereed Cedarville back in, in this and they were, you know, they were talking about the honor calls. And, and so we're having an impact on people's lives. And that just opens up doors for the conversation about our faith, about who Jesus Christ is and why we do what we do. It's because that's more important than the wins and losses. And so the culture that we continue to build upon is, is that, but we want to do it at a high level too. We just aren't okay with just playing the game. It's like, why can't we be one of the top programs in the country? Um, there's professional athletes that are very strong Christians. So they have reached the pinnacle of their profession and they're, they have a, a platform which to use. And we want that as well, but we're never going to allow that to be the priority over God, over why we're here and what we're doing. Um, but like I said, volleyball is like a fourth thing. I mean, academics is number two, having a college experience is three. And, and part of that college experience is, is competing at a high level in volleyball. So that's kind of what we do here. That's our culture. And that's, that's what we strive for. It's really good. I've been, um, been in Ohio now since, since about February of this year and uh, the alum of Cedarville, uh, just amazing people. There's some in our house church, um, just humble, uh, love, love Jesus. And I've been impressed. And I uh, just since we began talking, I can tell that you're, you're uh, an amazing coach there at Cedarville because of your belief in the school. Um, like you, you sold me on it and, and the most pure of way in the way that like I would want my son to go to Cedarville um, because of your love for the school. And so I think that's, that's special. Um, I, we're, we're nearing, we're nearing time. We need to probably hit end here, but I just want to keep it going. One more question. I just want to go back. Uh, if you were to give advice, the two things that you said before were knowing who you are and then realizing that the wins don't matter. Um, if you were to give advice to that 25 year old Greg Smith on trying to figure out, um, you know, who you are as far as your, your personality, um, your, your leadership style as a coach and not trying to copy or emulate others. Do you have advice for a young coach trying to figure that out for themselves? Because it's like, that's how we learn and grow as we, we see mm -hmm. uh, coach K, we see these other coaches coaching one way, and then we try to emulate and somehow we rob ourselves of who God made us uniquely to be. But just curious if you could help speed that process up for, for a young coach listening out there. I would say seek the counsel of others. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in your profession. I think find out people who are are going to be truthful with you, um, who know you, who, you know, it's always interesting. It's like once you're in in something deep, you don't really see the bigger picture. Sometimes you're, it becomes tunnel vision. And, and so I think knowing who you can trust, knowing that's who's going to give you an honest answer, it could be your parents. It could be your best friends. It could be your pastor. It could be your wife. It could be so many different people. It could be the people within your profession that you know and trust and saying, what you see is my qualities. And if, you know, 
what do you see as my you know strengths and weaknesses how can i be better and what can i bring to the table and ask for honest advice um because a lot of times you know like i said i didn't know who i truly was as a coach because i was young i was still very young at what i was doing in my profession and and i would have loved to have probably you know, tapped into Jim's knowledge about what he thought, what, what was my strengths as a coach going into Virginia Tech and then building upon those strengths, but then also working on my weaknesses. So I would say tapping into people that are going to be honest with you about, you know, what they see in you as a coach and giving you solid advice. And as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. And I think you need to have somebody sharpening you versus just like, you know, you know, instead of just asking for what you want to hear, you need to ask for what is the hard truth? Where am I? Who am I? What do you see? And then evaluate and pray about it and then go from there. It's really good. Seek, seek the counsel of others. Um, really good advice. Iron sharpens iron. And, um, Greg, thank you so much. Just want to say thank you, um, for, for leading and in the way that you do with boldness and, um, I, when I was probably 23 or 24, I was sitting through an FCA coach's Bible study and I heard the, them talking about honor calls and they're like, Hey, these, these crazy teams out there, they, they call their own balls out or, uh, you know, I, I didn't touch it type of thing. And with tennis, you know, there's so much cheating and when you're calling your own line. So I just want to say thank you for, for leading that way. Um, you know, we've done over a hundred episodes here on this podcast and I think you're the first coach that's, that's mentioned um the honor calls as kind of a way that they're uh, shining the light of jesus in their sport world so um anyways we we like to end with prayer here is there is there anything that we can be praying with you about right now um well one there's probably two things one uh we're about ready to embark on a mission trip uh, this coming august um we're still trying to solidify where God wants us to go. It's between a couple places and just trying to seek counsel, wise counsel on that um, and seeking where God really wants us to go. Uh, coming up with the funds for that, uh, safe travels, uh, opening up, you know, preparing the doors to be open for that mission trip to, for the people who we come in contact with that we can have an impact for Christ while we're there. Um, and then secondly, just continue growth and wisdom and in, in leading this program, uh, not for, you know, our sake, but for God's sake, for the fact of, um, like we said before, just being the example of who Christ is and doing it in the right way and, um, and doing everything we possibly can to transform the lives that do come in contact, whether it's our own players, but it's the players or fans or referees or and other coaches that we can still have an impact on their lives and that they can see Christ through us. That's good stuff. Love it. Well, let's let's pray right now. Okay. Lord, uh, we just bow down before you and you are God and we are not. Uh, we are desperate for you, God, uh, in need of a savior. Uh, thanks so much for sending Jesus to, to take our spot. Uh, while we were enemies uh, of you, you sent Jesus to die for us and we're thankful. God, we just lift up Greg and the entire Cedarville team. Um, just lead them, God, uh, towards this missions trip. Uh, we know that you are uh, a God of all the nations and help us all figure out how we can play a role in, in global missions um, and churches being planted everywhere. Um, and just lead Greg in, um, 
and just leading this team, uh, growth and wisdom for him and as a coach and, and all that that entails. So thank you for Greg. Thank you for his heart and just ask that you'll continue to bless him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Great conversation with Greg Smith. Good job, Chad. Enjoyed. Um, just hearing again, his thoughts, his insight. And I'm going to ask you, Chad, and just to bring this up for discussion, we have a lot of coaches listening. This honor call system, um, what comes to your mind as a Christian coach? Yeah, well, I remember sitting in a room in Champaign, Illinois, um, when I first heard this. I was probably 23, 24, first thinking through this Christian coaching stuff. And uh, Daniel Chapel, the FCA rep, was leading the discussion on um, this is revolutionary. If if you can have your team playing with this type of integrity, um, what kind of light that is shining in the sports arena? Isn't that what we're called to do? I remember this baseball coach, who, uh, a little little tougher dude, is arguing with him. You know, he's like, "No, if I'm going to frame that, if it bounces in the outfield, I catch it on the short hop. I got it. It was out. If I can trick the referee or think about a, a catcher, um, you know, catching a ball outside the plate and bringing his hand back in, is that is that immoral?" Um, and I, I mean, I admit as a student athlete, I was there to win, uh, as a young coach, I was there to win. And, uh, I do think though, that, that doing this honor call system is honoring to our Lord, um, you know, is winning ultimate or is, uh, you know, playing with integrity. And so I think if you can get your team to buy into this, which Greg has, I think it's really powerful. But do you, what do you think, Jim? Well, um, what I thought in my 20s and 30s is definitely what I'm thinking about in my 40s. And so I love this this topic. And as a Christian coach, we are called to be different. And there's not a lot of coaches that if the I'm using my sport, basketball, he steps out of bounds, that we say, man, he was out of bounds. Sometimes the game doesn't allow it to happen. But I remember the first time I actually – reversed a call and I was a player in a men's league where the referee gave the ball to the other team and I just gave it right back I said that was out on me and he looked at me like I was speaking a foreign language and he just said are you serious I said I am it was out on me and he gave it to the other other team and I, I remember after the game that ref calling and saying thank you that's the first time that ever happened and that that's being different and I didn't do that in my 20s. I didn't do that in my 30s. And I did that later in life. And we had a girl, as I was the athletic director at a school in volleyball, call her touches on the tips. And again, those referees are like, what? What are you doing? You're calling it out on you. We called a point for you. And you can see just the instant respect among the refs, but even among that other team, the crowd, their own crowd, and that's being different. And mm -hmm. as a Christian coach, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be different. For sure. For sure. And we're not categorizing this into the try to lose category and just win the sportsmanship category. No, it's it's you're trying to win with everything you have, um, but you're also playing with integrity uh, when you know you've, you've done something outside the rules. So um, oh, I love it. That's good stuff. Thank you so much, Greg. Um, Cedarville is a great, great Christian school near where I am planted here up in Ohio. So many great um, alums uh, through church, through the community, and uh, they're doing great things there. So excited for Coach Greg 
And uh, we end every episode the exact same way. And coach, just remember the mission field is right where you're at.